Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. Where kids will come and ask questions. And and I've had kids come to me and say, hey, Mark, 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 do you ever smoke pot when you were in high school? And I kind of go, man, I don't know whether I ought to answer that or not. And I, I go, you want to know something I didn't, but I did in college. And because I did in college, this is what I've learned. I've learned that I don't want you to be captivated by anything. I don't want you to be dependent on anything. I don't want you to feel like you have to wake up every morning and get high to make it through the day. That's not a healthy life. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back to the No More Perfect podcast. You know, when my husband and I moved away from our hometown, my parents worried that they would not have a relationship with my kids like they had imagined. And at that time, we had two kids and they were six weeks old and two years old. And eventually we added three more to our family and we never lived near my parents again. Yet... They did a fabulous job of staying connected to their grandkids. And that's one of the topics we're going to explore in this episode. We're going to talk about how grandparents can stay engaged and involved in their grandchildren's lives, no matter if they live near or far from them. And we're going to talk specifically about how grandparents can stay connected with their teen grandchildren during a time in their lives when teens tend to pull away from family as they exert their independence. My guest today is Mark Gregston. Mark began his work with teens 40 years ago when he was a youth minister and then an area director with Young Life. He and his wife, Jan, eventually opened their home to work with those who were struggling with family crisis. And in 1989, Mark and Jan started Heartlight. It's a residential counseling center for struggling teens and families in crisis. Mark has four grandchildren and is the author of a brand new book called Grandparenting Teens. Welcome to the No More Perfect podcast, Mark. <laughs> Jill, thanks for having me. It is good. It is good to be recording with you. I've heard nothing but great things about you. Well, thank you. You know, this topic is near and dear to my heart. Uh, we have mm. eight grandchildren and they range wow. from one to 11. And I know that they need an active presence in yeah. their lives. But I want to dig into that a little bit more. And I want to ask you, why do you believe it's important for a grandchild to have grandparents who are active in their lives? 
Well, I think they need it more than anything else. I, you know, and, and you're in that sweet spot of one to 11 where it's just wonderful. And they give you these shirts and coffee mugs that say world's greatest mamar, Nino or boot boo or whatever they call you. And then <laughs> you just feel like this is unbelievable, but they're going to be entering into a stage in the next couple of years, that, that 11 year old where the social circles will begin to expand. And what will happen is she will realize or he will realize that they can no longer keep up with all the people because their world has exploded socially and now encompasses so many others. And so they have to let go of some people. And who they'll let go of are those that aren't feeding them, those that aren't don't mean as much to them as much as these other ones do, those that aren't meeting their needs, those who aren't there to encourage them or, or to or make them feel more valued. And usually what happens, this is where grandparents start to lose their connection with these dear, precious, mm-hmm. I call them mulligans, because you always, you, you know, it's it's with these grandkids who I think are a, a reward for not killing your own kids. Um, <laughs> you have the opportunity to do a do over and you think you're doing really well. Then you get to that stage and you find, wait a minute, they're not paying attention to me as much as they used to. And and so it's it's wonderful right now before age 12 and then at age 12 that's where the work begins that a that a grandparent can be involved because these kids need the gray hair they need the wisdom they need the encouragement they need a place of rest they need a a a, a face that says to them hey there's nothing you can do to make me love you more there's nothing you can do to make me love you less they need a place of hope. They need a place that that they can go and be refreshed and let their hair down and be calm and know that that they're in the presence of somebody that they admire greatly. That's what they need. And so my encouragement to grandparents is then be that person for them because nobody else can do that except you. And be, and it's because they're looking for that. They're, they're wanting that. They're wanting wisdom out of life. They're not wanting more information. When you and I grew up, information in this world doubled every 13 years. Well, now it's doubling every hour and a half. And, and next year, it's supposed to be instantaneous. Well, they are drowning in information and longing and hungering for wisdom, and they're just not getting it. And it's because we're not shifting our style of engagement from a teaching model to a training model. And grandparents need to participate in that with their parents so that their kids can be fulfilled. Wow. Okay. Long answer, huh? (laughs) No, I love that. Okay. So let's dig into that. What's the difference between a teaching model and a training model? Well, you know, a a, a teaching model has a lot of lecture, whereas training has discussion that it's it's all about words, uh, if you will, in a in a teaching model. Now it's more about actions. It's it's it has to do with um, engaging differently where you're the responsible person in the preteen years. Now you need to allow them to become more and more responsible. Do you want them to be dependent on you? Now you need to be pushing them to independence. You're making all the decisions early on. Let's start letting them make some decisions. And mm-hmm. all of it is to, to help get them to a point where they can survive when they're launched from their home so that they don't just fall over their own two feet when they go off to college or get a job or enter the military, but they can actually, you know, engage 
with society because they're prepared for it. Because we spend so much time pleasing kids, protecting them and providing for them that that rarely do we move to the fourth point, which is preparation for the next stage of life. And that's what they want because they are scared to death. They are afraid that they're going to face issues and and challenges that they're not prepared for because it is an immature group of kids. I mean, it's mm-hmm. this generation of kids is immature. The American Medical Association has increased the age of adolescence to age 27. The American Journal of Adolescent Psychiatry has increased it to age 26. And I, so kids are mm-hmm. not maturing as fast. And part of that is because of the lack of relationships they have with one another. They think they have a lot of friends, but they really don't. They think mm-hmm. they have a lot of followers, but they really don't. What they live in a world is is one of confusion a little bit, but one where they're striving for perfection because they're comparing to each other. And at the same time, they're looking for people who maybe aren't as perfect that can welcome them in. Because you want perfect perfection in in a teaching model, but in a training model, you want to show all your imperfection. Um, and I say this in, in this way, I, I hate being around perfect people. It drives me <laughs> nuts. I can't stand them. Mm-hmm. And so I thrive with other people that are imperfect because they make me feel comfortable and it allows me to be genuine and honest and authentic and very real. And in a world of, of information in the world of, of, uh, you know, Golly, TikTok and and uh, Snapchat and Facebook and all the rest of it. I want something that's very real, and mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, any parent out there, any grandparent that's demanding perfection from your teens, you're going to lose them mm-hmm. because they don't want to be a part of that world. Um, they already know that they're not, so they're trying to find a place where they can be themselves, the way God created them to be. And uh, so, I mean, that's a long answer to a short, short question. But I but I think that's the way to to kind of shift the way we engage with our kids so that we're still offering them something that they get excited about as they did when when we would do all those little things for them in their preteen years. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is in the teen years, it's important to share our imperfect stories uh, of our our own childhood, our own teen years, as well as the places we struggle in life still to some degree. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, yeah, because I think they're they're challenged by that. You know, I. I don't think people really care that I'm on 1800 radio stations or written a couple of dozen books or travel. And I don't think they care about that. The real connection happens when people begin to find out that my wife and I went through counseling, uh, Mm -hmm. that she was sexually abused for seven years, that I can't breathe out of the left side of my nose for the way that I was raised, that my son had an affair nine months after he married his college sweetheart. And uh, then my daughter wrestled with an eating disorder uh, when she was at Baylor University cheerleading. I mean, those are the mm-hmm. things that connect us. We, we yes. find that when we struggle and share those things, then, then had, that has an amazing way of joining us at the hip where we just feel like this is, this is somebody that's like me. And, and, and as a grandparent, when a grandparent does that and starts to share the things in their life, that had been more of a mess than than the demand for perfection. 
You're drawing that child to you because they think that you have weathered this, you've survived, and you've made it. So you're really ushering in a great sense of hope when you share the imperfections. Mm -hmm. And that imperfection becomes key because they're in a world that's demanding perfection. That's why we see a great sense of depression happening, anxiety. We see kids that are smoking pot more than they ever have in their life. We see more kids that are suicidal. They, they're filled with hopelessness. And part of it is because they don't have the examples that are pushing them to a hope-filled life. And that's when I make comments that grandparents have that amazing role to not be some parent on steroids, but to be a grandparent that provides something for their teen grandchildren that nobody else can ever, ever provide. Mm. So what would you say to the the uh, grandparent or the parent who's listening that's hesitant to share their struggles because they feel like it will take away their authority? Yeah, you know, it may empower you even more. You know, this is this is mm-hmm. what I want. I mean, now I live with 60 high school kids. Um Uh, I will tell them anything about me. And what I try to create is an atmosphere where kids will come and ask questions. And and I've had kids come to me and say, hey, Mark, 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 do you ever smoke pot when you're in high school? Mm hmm. And I kind of go, man, I don't know whether I ought to answer that or not. (laughs) And I I go, you want to know something I didn't, but I did in college. And because I did in college, this is what I've learned I've learned that I don't want you to be captivated by anything. I don't want you to be dependent on anything. I don't want you to feel like you have to wake up every morning and get high to make it through the day. That's not a healthy life. And so that is why I'm against it. And I will not support you if you continue to do that. I can still love you. I can love you whether you smoke pot, whether you don't smoke pot. Hey, Mark, 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 you and Jan, I'm Jan and I, my wife, we've been married 46 years. We've dated since the ninth grade. Our first date, our first date was a uh, when this Christian band came through Tulsa, Oklahoma, called Led Zeppelin, and uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. Christian that was our band, first, huh? <laughs> yeah, that was our first date in the ninth grade, and so so you know, it, it, hey, you and Jan, ever, we dated for six years. You you and Jan ever have sex before you got married? No, we didn't. But and here's the reason why: because having sex has an amazing way of confusing relationships. And I didn't want to do anything that would confuse our relationship because I really knew that she was the one I wanted to marry. Now, what I'm doing is sharing wisdom at the point of genuineness and authenticity. And, and it says, let's, let's not say, yes, I did. And scripture says you shouldn't do that. I mean, that's just my fear of that is that kids are beginning to interpret scriptures. There's just another piece of information. And so I want to make it come alive and say, let's put a story behind that. What I've observed, what I've reflected on, what I've experienced, put a story behind the biblical truths that we've hit in our heart and let them come out in a way that a child goes, I understand that answer. And it, but it happens at the point of authenticity. It happens at the point of being very real. And we all know this, when you start sharing your struggles with other people, it's amazing how People will be drawn to you in a heartbeat because they're looking for hope. They're looking for help. and They're looking for that encouragement that they, too, can make it through this difficult time. Yes, I agree. I think about teenagers and uh, I guess one of the things that I think is important for us to identify is 
what are some skills that a grandparent or a parent can have that will make it safe for a teenager to want to talk? Yeah, that's important. You know, probably the first thing would be this. Um, Grandparents have got to have an amazing ability to listen. You know, I I, I really think that's why older men's ears keeps growing because (laughs) God's trying to remind them um, you're supposed to use those a little bit more than your mouth. But there's something about listening. There's something about instead of giving answers all the time to start asking more questions. There's something about not sharing your opinion, but sharing your perspective. Don't don't take just your opinion on what's happening today. Everybody knows what that is because we hear it all the time. But put that whatever it is, the challenge into perspective of your whole life. And what have you seen? You know, I, I think it's 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 spending time creating a, a home that is a restful experience for uh, for just about everybody that they can walk into your home and you're not correcting them all the time and telling them what they're not wearing right and telling them how they need to say things differently and tell them, well, that's the wrong answer. Or at the same time, you're not sitting there trying to shove your program down their throat. Mm-hmm. You're listening to their program because your time of, of, of kids listening to you was, you know, that pre-teen years. Now it's your turn to listen to them. And when you start listening to them and be a student of who they are, you know, it, it's amazing to me that 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 that's the way that we connect, you know, and sometimes you don't have to say anything at all. We get this idea that we've always got to come up with a great answer. And I'm going, no, you don't. It's your presence. It's it's God in you that is being poured out, you know, that that is becoming flesh and dwelling among your grandchild so that they see your example. Of, of how you handle conflict and difficulty or bad news on on television or 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 you you see some conflict happening or a conflict in the family they're watching you and because mm-hmm. they're watching you it's now no longer about your words it's more about your actions and and I think grandparents be you know begin to think you know I golly I've got to get my all my all my lessons in as soon as I can because I'm going to die soon. And and I'm going, oh, come on. God's keeping you around because he wants you to have an impact on this generation. He doesn't want you to hook up a, you know, or go buy an RV and travel to Arizona and play, you know, shuffleboard the rest of your life. He wants you to be involved as long as you can in the life of your family, because you're the patriarch that gets to, to share you know, uh, God's word lived out over a lifetime and the and the amazing transformation that that can do to pour into the lives of your family. And so you're you're just as needed for that teen grandchild as you are anybody else in your family. Yeah. And but you've got to create that environment, as you said. Well, it makes me think of I think it was Billy Graham who said preach and if necessary, use words. Yeah. You know, it kind of makes me think of that because I think oftentimes as a grandparent, my words are much less necessary than my presence, my ability to hear, my ability to even ask questions so that all they're doing is they're, they're hearing. And, and I'm, I'm certainly starting to get there with our 11 year old granddaughter who is very much on the edge of, you know, that preteen and her friends are super important to her and, you know, all of that. 
Um, but I think oftentimes we, we do, we overuse our words, but what do we do? What do we do when we have a concern for their life? Because this is when I think most of us want to go into uh lecture mode. Yeah. What do we do, Mark, when we are concerned yeah. about something, how can we handle that? Well, you know, I, I mean, that's a wonderful question. And that, and that's really kind of what I deal with all the time. Uh, you know, families who who have hit the wall, uh, everything they're trying is not working. Um, they're up against that wall. And and uh, and so now they want to have a talk with the child and say, hey, we got to do something different. And I, I encourage people do this. Go to a restaurant, go to their okay. go to the nicest restaurant that they like, not that you like, but that they like. Uh, sit with your your back to the wall where they can face you and they're not staring at other people, especially if you have a kid that has ADD. It's always mm-hmm. consumed. And then and then just tell them, hey, I know we're not getting along. I know we're having a tough time. Um, and this is the important thing. This is where a grandparent can say, and I want you to know something. I've done some things wrong in my life. Or even a parent to say that. Mm-hmm. And I, I want you to know that this is how it's affected you. And I and what you're doing is being vulnerable, mm-hmm. but you're setting an example in hopes that they will be vulnerable as well. You know, so that you can say, um, you know, we haven't always done things right. You know, um, your grandmother and I haven't always gotten along the best. You know, your grandmother and I have gone through some really tough times. And I want to tell you about those because I think it affects you. Hey, I know I'm not going to be around forever, uh, so I don't want you to hear this from anybody else. I want you to hear it from me. Mm. Hey, I have some concerns, and I want to change the way, but I want to help you get to a better place. And so I'd like for you to tell me what you'd like for me to do to help you get to where you want to go, and what do I need to do to keep you from where you don't want to end up? And I think a one-on-one conversation when you're sitting around the table and it's calm and it's easy. And I mean, pick a restaurant where it's quiet. You know, there's, there's something about uh, that the, the, the presence of being around other people calms the situation and, and allows a child just to feel kind of hidden in everything where they don't let their emotions kind of go off. Plus, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you go up to your child's room or your your teen's room and, and confront them on something. You're on their turf and their territory. And I go, I go to some neutral territory somewhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and have a one-on-one conversation, not two-on-one. It's not grandma and grandpa or mom and dad. It's one. Mm. Whoever connects the best, go one-on-one first. Yes. And what you do is you, you're you offering, you will, an olive branch. You're saying, I will help you. What do I need to do to get you to a better place? You know, I'm willing to do this. And somebody goes, well, Mark, that sounds like manipulation. And I'm going, <laughs> you're darn right it is. I'm going <laughs> to manipulate anything I can to create an atmosphere that's going to get my teen grandchild or my own teen through these turbulent years that they're going through. Mm-hmm. And it means that I, it may, it may be, I'd like to get with you every week and sit down and have coffee or ice cream or go eat dinner. It may be that I want to get on and Skype with you. I want to, yeah, I want to zoom with you. I want to, I just want to have a face to face conversation. 
I want you to ask me a tough question and I'm going to ask you a tough question. You know, it's it's those kind of things that invite relationship. And in the process of that, I think what you're doing is creating an atmosphere where things can change. Now, if your teen grandchild comes to your door and the minute they walk in, you start saying, um, well, I want you to memorize this Bible verse. And I and I, I this is what I learned and this is what I did this week. And and golly, I've you know, I've, I've had a colonoscopy this week and I've had two toenails removed and I, it's, they they're sitting there going. Oh, golly, no wonder they're smoking pot. You know, I'm just going, there's a part of it where I'm going, you've got to be focused on them Mm -hmm. and say, what do I need to do to help you? So it may be coming, don't question their dress or whether they have their makeup on right or wrong, or if they got their nose pierced or, or whatever, it doesn't matter. That's, those are all things that are going to pass. What matters is you connecting with their heart. Hey, come on in, let's talk for a minute. And creating the atmosphere where they can ask the tough questions. Mm-hmm. And Lord knows that there's tough questions that kids are, they're trying to wrap their their mind around this gender confusion, this, you know, the homosexual debate, uh, the permissiveness of a culture, the the changing world that they see. They need to talk to somebody. And it's it's not to a mom and dad sometimes that just say, well, this is the way that it is. But it's to a grandparent that can give perspective and and put it in a context and offer a sense of hope and say we're going to make it through, you know. I, I you know it's it's like it's like we think we're going to solve the issue of homosexuality. And I I in, in person I don't care whether somebody's gay or not. It doesn't bother me. I can still love them whether they're gay. I can love them whether they're whether they're not gay. It doesn't matter. But we think we're going to solve it, and it's been around since the beginning of time. And so my point of it is kids are struggling with that because they hear about it all the time. How do we engage with them when, when I know what I believe and, and my wife knows what she believes? But how do I transfer what I believe into such a way that's attractive? And that's the greatest challenge. The, the greatest challenge that a, that a grandparent's going to have is remaining relevant in, in the never-ending truth that we possess to mm-hmm. share with the child in such a way that it doesn't push them away, but it draws them in. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's ticklish, because the minute that you demand uh, perfection, you're going to lose them. The minute that you de- demand by your authority, by this is my authority, and you're going to lose them. And the minute that they feel like you're being judgmental, you're going to lose them. And so, so there's some awkward walls to have to get around to take the message that we have, but that's the never-ending challenge that I think a parent and a grandparent has so that we can bring the truth, you know, not only by word, but by example into the life of our kids and Mm -hmm. and continue to love them. Mm -hmm. And I think that where oftentimes parents and grandparents struggle with this is they feel like if I accept my child as who they are or my grandchild as what they're currently struggling with. If I accept that struggle, then it's as if I'm agreeing with it. Yeah. And that's a core message for me. It's like, no, you can accept someone and not agree with them. Yeah. 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 You know, I had a little girl tell me this a couple of weeks ago. I lead a group and it's a, it's a group of kids that are getting ready to leave Heartlight and it's 12 of them. And so every Wednesday I make sure my travel schedule is, 
that I'm here. I meet with that group. Then I usually go get on a plane and fly somewhere. But she looked at me and she goes, well, Mark, you know that I'm gay, don't you? And I go, really? Me too. Me too. And she just, <laughs> she started laughing just like that. And, uh, and she goes, no, I've always had an attraction to girls. And I go, really? Me too. Me too. And what I'm trying to do is to lighten it up a little bit where she knows that we can talk about that. Now I'm not gay. I mean, I'm, and, but I, but I still going to lighten it up a little bit. And so she said this, she said, okay, Mark, you performed a lot of weddings. And you do a lot of weddings of kids that that have come through the program and stuff. Would you do my wedding? I mean, would you come to my wedding if I married a girl? And I said, you know that I would. She goes, why? Because I love you. That's why I I would be there just because I love you. She goes, would you perform the wedding? Uh, Absolutely not. And I said, see, sweetheart, you believe one way. I believe another. And we don't have to be against each other in the process of this. I believe one thing, and there's reasons why. If you want to know, you can ask me those questions. And on the other side, she, I go, and it, but I would ask questions about why you are the way you are, too. And so let's, let's figure that out. And what I'm doing is trying to create the atmosphere of, of non-judgmental interaction where yes. she knows what I believe and I know what she believes. And now we can have a discussion about it. And, and we can have a relationship. What? That's right. That's right. It, 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 I, it, as I said, my, my comment is I don't care. Of course, I care about everybody. But it, it, it's not me. This is your choice. This is your doing. It's who you are. You figure it out. I'll help you figure it out. I'll help you do whatever. And, and, and so it's just creating an atmosphere where there can be discussion and growth. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's... I think that's what gets missed sometimes by grandparents because they feel like, well, no, I, you know, this is mentioned in Scripture a number of times, and this is what it says. Okay, I, I get that. So let's apply it in such a way that is loving and engaging. And because these kids aren't being rebellious, they're mm-hmm. lost. And the minute that anybody forgets that they were lost, they'll become judgmental. And we sing about it all the time. I once was lost. Now, <laughs> now I'm found. found. Yes. That's right. And when you mm-hmm. forget that, when you forget that you were lost, then you become very judgmental. And I go, that never brings people uh, mm-hmm. to the Lord. And no. uh, so anyway. Well, and, you know, I mean, really, when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, uh, he was all about engaging people, regardless yeah. of how they were living their life. Yeah. And so he really was he 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 went first. He showed us. And I think as grandparents and as parents, especially in the tumultuous teen years when they're trying to figure this out and they're trying to figure out who they are in the midst of this. And there are so many messages coming their way mm. uh, for us to follow uh, the role the role model that Jesus set. And that is just to engage in relationship. And he was a master question asker. Oh, yeah. So we can yeah. learn so much from that. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I think it's quit, quit giving answers and start asking yes. questions because the seeds have already been planted. You know, I, I mean, we do a wonderful job of teaching kids and, and, and they've picked up so much. And um, what we have to do is help cultivate that cultivate mm-hmm. it and churn it over and over and over so they can learn to apply it to their lives. So they're not becoming like me. I don't want them to become like me. 
I want them to come. I want them to come to a point where they realize who God wants them to be. Not, mm-hmm. but it's not me, you know. And and so, so the, the, there's a difference. So it, the, it when when they do something that offends me, or it's something that's wrong, or something that's out of line, or it's not about me. It's I mean. Uh, Rick Warren told us that a long time ago, the first line in his book, Purpose Driven Life, it says, you know, it's not about you. And and so when we're moving toward people and trying to love on them, it's not about me, not because it makes me feel good. It really is about them because that may be what they need. And it just so happens that I'm old enough that I've learned a few things uh, that um, that maybe I can offer that to them in such a way that it comes across without being judgmental. Uh, are looking down on them. Yeah. Boy, if we could, if we could really internalize the, it's not about me, uh, Mm. it would, it would make such a difference in all of our relationships, you know, it really would. And I think it would uh, help us to be more grace filled, uh, more sensitive to people's hurts and struggles and lostness yeah. At times, which we often take personally. I mean, I see that. I see grandparents though say, you know, um, it was my birthday and I didn't hear from any of my grandchildren. And and so, <laughs> yeah. you know, I I hear those and it's like you're making it about you. I mean, I know right. it was a special right. day, but it uh you're making that about you. And what a difference when we can go, you know what? Uh, they're trying to figure out this world. They're trying to figure out, and you said earlier, they yeah. are, they have so many relationships that they are navigating and, um, and to recognize that I think makes a difference. Yeah. At this point in life, Jill, I, I think it's not what you get. It's what you give. And, um, and of course our teen grandchildren are selfish, little entitled kids that <laughs> yeah. want things. You know why they are? Because we've raised them that way. That's why. And so we've got to look beyond that. I mean, it's not what we want. It's more about what they want. And so my encouragement to them is not to, uh, because I have this program, an idea of what they need to become. It's because I want to help them get to a good place. And Mm -hmm. that's got to be the motivation. And it's going to be disappointing and hurting and uh, along the way. But, you know, I mean, you've said it well. You've said it really well. It's not about us. It's not about us at all. So um, one more question I want us to delve into before we bring this to a close, because I do think that so many grandparents struggle with this. What do we do when we don't agree as a grandparent with the parenting style Hmm. of our own kids? Yeah. Yeah. This is tough. (laughs) It is. uh, Because it puts us back into that parent role of, you know, feeling like we need to do something about it. You know, maybe your grandchild, you know, uh, you you are a safe person. So they do a lot of dumping and we get to hear about how bad mom and dad are and the terrible things they do. And, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Or maybe we're just kind of standing back and watching and we see the dynamics between uh, our grandchild and our child who is their yeah, parent. Yeah. And we struggle with that feeling like we need to step in. What yeah. do we do with that? Because I know a lot of us struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the premise is this and, and uh, us as grandparents all know this, that we know best. And, 
if everybody would just listen to us, it'd be a perfect world. You know, I mean, and <laughs> that's the basis that you have to go off of. And, 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 I, and I say that jokingly, but we have learned some things. And, and we've learned it because we made mistakes, because we didn't do it right. And so when somebody mm-hmm. says, what should I do about my kids? I go, you support them. And I can still support them and and have big ears for my grandkids talking to me. I don't have to, you know, I, I don't have to agree with them. I don't have to talk down. I go, you know, life is tough sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you're going to face things in life that you don't like and people aren't going to handle things well, but I know you can do it. And so let me suggest maybe you do this or maybe you do this and you and you create the world where you're offering alternatives and, and and sharing your wisdom with them rather than going against the parents the minute you say yes your mother is doing that wrong or no your dad is kind of a slob and kind of a jerk the minute you say that you will lose the relationship and because I don't think God really intended us to have that kind of relationship as a grandparent. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be the encouragers. And if it gets worse and if it gets where it's a problem, you know, I can go to my daughter and say, hey, I've noticed a couple of things. And I, if, if you want some insight, I'd love to give you some. But I want you to ask first. You know, I, I don't, you know, like a like a bull in a china cabinet, run in and say, I've got it. This is what you need to do. But I've got some ideas. If you want to give them a shot, I'm happy to to share them with you. I ask permission. And if they ask, then I can I can say what I need to and say it in a way that's going to help them get to a better place, not condemn them and say they're doing a lousy job. Because because I, I know this as a as a parent to my kids and I've got a 45 year old daughter and a 40 year old son. I'm not sure I know everything that's going on in their life that's causing the pressures in their life. And, mm. uh, and we have a pretty tight knit family, but I'm not so sure I know. I'm not so sure that I want to know all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, and so that may be affecting a lot of things. And, and uh, I just know that I can counter a lot of that by the relationship that I offer and, you know, let them deal with what they need to deal with at home. And then we can deal with stuff here and be that, that respite, you know, for that grandchild that needs a place of refreshment, encouragement. And that may be inviting them over for a weekend. It may be taking a grandchild with you on a trip. Uh, Mm -hmm. I do that every year with my, uh, with my granddaughter, we go to the country music awards and, uh, and it, the tickets cost too much, and it's always at the worst time of the year, but we're going to go because that's what she likes, and we get away and spend a weekend and have a wonderful time. I asked my other granddaughter that. I said, um, if you could pick one place to go uh, out of anywhere, uh, where would you want to go? Because I've got all these miles that you can spend on American Airlines. And and she said, I want to go meet the two kids that I've been supporting um, through uh, Compassion. Mm. So we went, we went to Ethiopia and met her two kids and spent two days with them. And, and I go that time away, that week away encouraged her so much during that time. And I, I really couldn't afford to do it, but I couldn't afford not to do it either because she needed that. And so I look at it. I, I just said goodbye, uh, you know, an hour ago to my granddaughter who's going off to college uh, for her last year and just found out her boyfriend has cancer. And, you know, and, mm. and, and so I said, sweetheart, why don't you pick a place 
we'll go to Nashville and go to the Country Music Awards. Let's go spend some time and just get away. And she goes, man, I'd really like that. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to be. I don't want to yeah. be another parent. I want to be a grandparent uh, that they look up to and, and know that whenever they come to me, they find encouragement. They find uh, support, even when they're wrong, that they find support and and feel loved. And, and they've always got a place to come to. And I love it when she calls and says, hey, can you send me some money? I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and I go. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And you know, whether a grandparent lives nearby or they live uh, far away, they can, they can do those kind of trips. They can host the kids in their home. Uh, You know, they can, they can uh, reach out through Zoom. What are some other ways uh, that a grandparent from a distance, uh, while we're talking about this, uh, can do? Well, you know, I I think there's kind of like a family text, you know, we do that, that everybody is on the family text and they send pictures and kind of what's happening, the updates and, you know, just little funny things. And I mean, it it really has become for us a, a great point where there's where there's 12 of us in this little text, even down to the to the seven year old who can text into this and mm-hmm. and and talk I, th- that has a way of connecting. And so I share things with them. Hey, I'm here. I'm eating here. I'm doing this. I wish you were here. Hey, I thought about you. You know, I, I think those are things. And then I think there's other things that are appropriate as well. Um, and and it doesn't always have to do with provision, but that is how kids in the early preteen years look at a grandma and grandpa. They give us things. And and that's okay. There's there's nothing wrong with that. My my granddaughter, who's the oldest, I'll send her a country music magazine and I'll go, you'll especially love what's on page 62. And it may be a hundred dollar bill that's in there or because I don't want her to throw the magazine away. <laughs> I I <clears throat> I think it's those little things like that that bring back memories. And I think the other part of it is, is that Jan and I really don't go on trips anymore without our grandkids. Um, and we take them. It's a joy. It's, I mean, we have an absolute blast with them. And we've just kind of said, let's let's make sure we're pouring into them. And so, I, I mean, my granddaughter just said, you smell like the beach in Cabo San Lucas. And I go, well, I'll take a bath next time. You know, I I, just (laughs) but I want that kind of relationship, but it's only going to happen if I'm doing things and being intentional about engaging with them. So I'm not going to spend all my time talking about medical issues, you know, and and talking about, you know, what's happening at the nursing home or the assisted living. You you can still communicate and just be there for them. And we'll all get to a point where that'll trickle down. Then it'll be their responsibility to take care of us. That day will be coming one day. And so Mm -hmm. that's why I really treat them nice. I'm fearful they won't treat me good in my later years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Oh, this has been a rich conversation. Thank you so much, Mark. This has been so valuable. And uh, I'm just wondering, would you be willing to to just close us in prayer and pray for the listeners uh, that really want to forge that kind of a relationship with their grandkids? Absolutely. Absolutely. Father, thank you for the positions that you put us within our families. And and, uh, my prayer for all would be that, that 
we would become those people that you would desire us to be a reflection of your presence. And if we have to clear up some things, then help us to do that. Give us the courage to do that. If we have to say we're sorry and ask for forgiveness, mm-hmm. uh, encourage us to do that also. Yes. If we have to share our imperfections, if we have to share where we've blown it, where we've been wrong, uh, nudge us to do that, to be genuine, to be mm-hmm. honest, to mm-hmm. be full of grace, to be full of truth. My prayer is that you would use us all in the lives of these teens that need us desperately. Yes. Give us the words to say, share with us the wisdom that you would have us communicate and provide us the opportunity to engage in such a way that that we can go. That was a fun time. I enjoyed it. Man, I love my grandkids. It's in mm-hmm. your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have three free eBooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.